September 2019. The Dutch lawyer Dirk Wiersum was brutally murdered in front of his house. We are Sabine, Rosalie and Okje. And you are listening to the podcast The Netherlands Narco Nation. The podcast that investigates if the Netherlands characterizes as a narco state. Two experts on the topic are willing to share their knowledge with us. I now like to introduce you to the first expert, Teun Voeten. Teun Voeten is a photojournalist and anthropologist who travels to the most dangerous war zones and crime scenes in the world. Among others, he traveled to Afghanistan and Iraq. But we are mainly interested in his trip to Mexico. The photos he made here captured the drug scenes in Mexico and are published in his books Het Mexicaanse Drugsgeweld, translated in English as The Mexican Drug Violence, and Narco Estado, Drug Violence in Mexico. He even received his PhD for his research on Mexican drug violence. Furthermore, Teun Voete has written the book Drugs, Antwerpen in de Greep van Nederlandse Syndicaten, translated as Drugs, Antwerp in the Grip of Dutch Syndicates. Now I'd like to introduce you to our second expert, Arnaldo Rabolini, who as a child lived in Colombia and saw narco characteristics up close. The narco-traffic um, mixed with existing armed conflict And so that conflagrated in a really high levels of violence, political and criminal violence. And uh, that definitely impacted my family lives and my life. We had to, at some point, we actually had to leave Colombia because the levels of insecurity were really high. Arnaldo Rabolini has written his master thesis on drug-related homicides in the Netherlands and is currently still conducting research on this topic. This makes Arnaldo Rabolini an excellent guest for this podcast. On the 18th of September 2019, Dirk Wiersum was murdered, leaving his two children and wife behind. Dirk Wiersum was the lawyer of the Crown witness Nawil B in the case against the cocaine dealing criminal. Ridwan Taghi is known as an infamous drug lord and is responsible for a third of the cocaine trade in Europe. In March 2018, Ridwan was one of the most wanted fugitives of Europe. The public prosecutor of the Netherlands wanted to arrest him for multiple murders in the criminal circuit and for the trafficking of drugs. But who is Ridwan Taghi was born in Morocco. During his childhood, he moved to the Netherlands, Vianne to be precise. He started out as a young dealer who sold wheat on a small scale. His trade in wheat grew quickly and at one point he took over his family business who were also trading in wheat. This is where he started to get in contact with the transportation industry of drugs. The wheat came from Morocco via Spain to the Netherlands, and from the Netherlands, the wheat is distributed throughout Europe. Taghi started to earn big money when he started dealing cocaine. One kilo of cocaine is almost 
10 times more worth than one kilo of wheat. At the beginning of 2017, the intelligence agencies and the police got several tips about Ridwan Taghi. However, there was no evidence. At this time, Taghi was known in the underworld. He was one of the bigger names in the cocaine trade worldwide. And he had no problem with killing people who were standing in his way. Now we know a little bit more about Ridwan Taghi, let's talk about Nabil B. Because who is he? And how come that he became a crown witness in the case against Ridwan Taghi? Nabil B. grew up in Utrecht. He went to high school in Zeist, a high school with a bad reputation. Nabil started getting in contact with the wrong people who were active in the criminal circuit. First, he started earning money with the cultivation of wheat. Then, he exchanged the soft drugs for hard drugs. This is where Ridwan Taghi came into the picture. Nabil B got in contact with Ridwan Taghi through coffee shop. From this moment onwards, Nabil was the accomplice of Ridwan Taghi. Nabil helped to prepare the liquidation of Khalid H. He filmed the suspect and passed down information. However, when someone else was murdered instead, Nabil confessed his involvement to the family of the victim. Then he turned himself over to the police. Between January and May 2017, Nabil B made several statements to the police regarding the organization of Ridwan Taghi. In exchange for a reduced prison sentence, Nabil B described which role he and other members of the organizations of Taghi played in several liquidations. In March 2018, the public prosecutor announced that Nabil B was a crown witness in the case against Ridwan Taghi. The lawyer of Nabil B was Dirk Wiersum. He was murdered in September 2019. But what exactly is a narco-state? Up to now, a single definition of a narco-state has not been established. This podcast uses the following definition, as described by Teun Voeten. It's impunity, corruption, infiltration. Actually, drunkenly and violence, we don't have the same level of violence, but we have a Mokro mafia, we had a beheading in Amsterdam, we had a criminal uh, defense law lawyer Derek Wiersum yeah. being executed. So, so we have this level of violence and the threat of violence as well. As Steunvoete said, the five characteristics are organized crime, impunity, the import and the export of drugs, infiltration and violence. For each of these five characteristics, we are going to find out how they apply to the Netherlands. To examine this, comparisons with Mexico will be made throughout this podcast. Since, according to Teun Voete, Mexico resembles a hard narco-state. Let's begin with the first element. Organized crime. When 
When talking about organized crime in the Netherlands, Ridwan Taghi is a notable name in the Dutch drug circuit and is estimated to be responsible for one third of the cocaine trade in Europe. Taghi is the leader of a cartel called the Angels of Death, which is one of the biggest criminal organizations in the Netherlands, operating across Europe and Africa. Organized drug crime is a big issue in Holland. 90% of the organized crime in the Netherlands involves drugs production and trade. Large-scale production of MDMA and amphetamine is located in the Netherlands and in Belgium, where Dutch drug gangs run it. Dutch drug organizations are also undermining the legal drug production in Holland, since they are producing soft drugs in enormous amounts. According to the report of the National Drug Monitor, written in 2019, the investigations about drugs criminality increased from 2017 to 2018. There are 578 investigations related to drug crimes in 2018, where there were 514 in 2017. In 2018, 122 cases were related to large-scale production of hemp cultivation, 252 about cocaine and heroin trade, and 204 cases related to the production and trade of synthetic drugs. So, we can say that organized crime is indeed the case in the Netherlands. However, when we compare this to Mexico, the amount of organized crime is significantly lower. What stands out for the organized crime groups in Mexico is that they do not only focus on the drug trade anymore, even though the revenues are incredibly high in that business. Organized crime groups have expanded their revenues by performing other illegal services such as human trafficking. Some organized crime groups even engage in exotic animal trafficking, such as the Los Zedas do. Now, let's move on to the second element of a narco-state. Impunity. But before we dive into impunity in the Netherlands, it is important to discuss the Dutch policy on drugs first. The Netherlands is known for its tolerant drug policy. The Netherlands has a harm reduction policy, which is focused on the health protection of individuals. The Dutch drug policy targets drug traffickers and dealers, rather than single users. In this policy, the use and sale of soft drugs, such as cannabis, is permitted to some extent. Coffee shops are allowed to sell soft drugs with a maximum amount of 5 grams per person a day. Besides this, coffee shops are not allowed to advertise drugs and they are not allowed to sell drugs to minors. As an individual, you are allowed to possess a maximum of 5 grams of cannabis and 5 hennep plants. In 2019, there were 517 coffee shops in the Netherlands. 164 of them were located in Amsterdam. This policy is to prevent people from using hard drugs and to prevent contact with a criminal circuit. The trade, import and export of drugs is strictly prohibited. When people are caught smuggling drugs, the maximum prison sentence is 12 years and a fine of 82,000 euros is the maximum. However, compared to other countries, the prosecution of drug trade in the Netherlands is very low. Teun Voeten also expresses his opinion about this. 
There is the level of impunity, and uh, in Mexico, 98% of the drug-related murders are never solved. But in Holland, we have a other level of impunity. I talked to a public prosecutor, Gerritje Bos from Breda. She discussed 200 drug cases, and only three became uh, uh, people were convicted. So, so you have basically yeah. an impunity of also like 98, 99%. But this impunity, because the criminals are protected too well, uh, and, and uh, lawyers using uh, procedural weapons to, to, to prevent criminals being convicted. The death of Dirk Wiersen involved the first murder in the Netherlands, where a lawyer was killed doing his job. This event raised questions about whether the Netherlands has the characteristics of a narco-state, and even if the safety of the rule of law is hanging in the balance. This murder was a violation of the rule of law, since lawyers felt unsafe to protect the Crown witness. The murder on Dirk Wiersum is not the first murder to intimidate the key witness and to impact the rule of law. The brother of the Crown witness, Redouan B, got murdered by a hitman on the 29th of March 2018, presumably hired by Redouan Tachi. This murder could lead to the Crown witness being scared of stepping forward. These two murders showed the ease in which criminal groups outsmart the rules and influence the safety of the rule of law. The low prosecution of drug-related crimes in the Netherlands has made the Netherlands an attractive country to produce drugs. When looking at the situation in Mexico, law enforcement suffers from inadequate resources, low degree of professionalization and corruption, and as a consequence, the trust in the justice system is extremely low. Low prosecution of drug-related crimes in the Netherlands has made the Netherlands an attractive country to produce drugs. However, in Holland changes can be made in the form of investments and a stricter policy. Moreover, in the Netherlands the degree of professionalization is higher. third element, which may be obvious, is drug trade. Besides for its tulips, clumps and gouda cheese, the Netherlands is known for its coffee shops and weed, while the sale of the weed in coffee shops is tolerated by the government. Unfortunately, there is still a lot of illegal drug trade in the Netherlands. A reason for this is a very strategic entering point, the harbour of Rotterdam. The Netherlands uh, is the biggest producer in Europe of um, synthetic drugs. And the level, uh, I believe, uh, is around, in 2018, it was around 18 billion euros, the, the market, the size of the market. And that is huge. It means that the economy in the Netherlands linked to illegal drugs, it's enormous. Plus that, it's uh, one of the main entry points of cocaine in Europe coming from mostly from Colombia and South America because of the presence of the European biggest uh, port, Rotterdam. And therefore it's an entry point, a very important strategic entry point. And uh, it's also one of the, it's a 
endpoint for this drug is not only transit, but also endpoint because of the high levels of consumption, for instance, of cocaine and synthetic drugs. So there indeed is a lot of drug trade in the Netherlands. But the Netherlands is also a big producer of drugs. Marijuana, ecstasy, MDMA, and increasingly crystal meth is being produced in the Netherlands. Uh, Holland is a drug importing, a drug exporting, drug distributing and a drug producing country. We produce enormous amount of very strong marijuana, some of the strongest in the whole world. It's no longer a soft drug, but I would call it a hard drug. There is a huge ecstasy MDA industry and currently what we see right now is of course a speed industry, but what we see right now is uh, MDMA ecstasy industry is switching to, to, to crystal meds and Holland is right now at this moment one of the biggest crystal meth producing countries in Europe. From what we have heard, we can most certainly state that we can indeed check off the element of the import and export of drugs. However, when comparing Mexico to the Netherlands, the Mexican drug trade has a broader reach. In Mexico, transnational criminal organizations are responsible for importing and distributing cocaine, fentanyl, heroin, marijuana and methamphetamine in the United States. The Mexican drug organizations produce heroin and methamphetamine on a large scale. The production of cocaine happens in Colombia and is transported by Mexican organized crime groups to the United States. Now we will move on to the fourth element, infiltration. For infiltration in the Netherlands, we also looked at people working for several organizations who provide help or assistance to organized crime groups. We have mentioned that Rotterdam is an important entry point in the illegal drug trade. The contacts that drug criminals have in the harbor of Rotterdam secure their drug trade. We were curious how the drugs passed the port of Rotterdam, and therefore we contacted Paul Smits, a former chief financial officer at the port of Rotterdam. One way that criminals can avoid detection in the port of Rotterdam um, when they are transporting drugs is uh, the following. They can give money to a customs employee who can then enter the container number in which the drugs are transported. Um, so that that container number is not scanned. In the Port of Rotterdam, there is a container scan, which scans all the suspected containers for the presence of drugs. But when this customs employee enters the container number um, in the system so that it is not being checked, then obviously the criminals uh, avoid detection of that container and therefore the drugs are in the container. And this is what you sometimes read in the paper that drugs, that um, customs employees have been caught by the police doing this. The infiltration of Dutch criminals in the police force is a serious problem in the Netherlands. In July 2019, The Guardian reported that according to a secret police report, police forces in the Netherlands are being infiltrated by criminals involved in organized crime. There is a suspicion that in the mid-Netherlands, criminals have access to 19 corrupt contacts within the authorities. With regards to the case of Ridewantaghi, a senior officer was fired and awaits legal proceedings. He has been accused of working for Ridewantaghi. The name of the senior officer was revealed by Crown witness Nabil Bey. Officers in Amsterdam have been fired or suspended for possession of hard drugs. 
forgery, tampering with official computers and revealing confidential information. Teun Voeten also discusses the infiltration in the Netherlands. Uh, level of infiltration and of course we are not at the point in Mexico where it's really rotten to the bone where sometimes the whole police corps is arrested by the federal police but there are a lot of instances of drug crime on, on the countryside uh, criminals trying to infiltrate in, in the city governments in, in the town governments there is infiltrations in the harbor authorities in the, in the customs authorities in the police and again not at the same level in Mexico because in Mexico, uh, criminal organizations put their members or their recruits on the police academy to, to get access to, to the police forces. But uh, the same for Belgium. There are, there, there are a lot of instances lately of police working, of being informer or handing out confidential information to, to criminal organizations. Moving on to the last element, violence. Specifically focusing on drug-related homicide. Measuring drug violence is extremely challenging. Often these crimes are committed in secret and therefore the available data is not concrete. However, other times drug violence comes in extreme forms. This is used by criminal organizations to send a sign. Compared to Mexico, these extreme forms are relatively rare in the Netherlands. However, the murder of Dirk Wiersheim most definitely was an extreme case. Remarkable is that the drug-related homicides are concentrated around The Hague, Rotterdam and Amsterdam. Uh, drug-related homicides compared to other types of homicides tend to be more clustered around specific areas in the Netherlands. These areas mostly coincide with big, uh, large urban centers, Amsterdam but also Rotterdam, a uh, little less The Hague. And also we saw that uh, when plotting on a map at the different events, there is sort of a line that follows the border with Belgium. And so that's normally where also we believe uh, there's a lot of trade and also production of synthetic drugs. Um, so that stood out to me. Also the fact that compared to other Northern European countries where the drug-related uh, homicides tend to be more um, linked to the actual consumption of drugs. So people may, for instance, uh, consuming drugs and going in a psychotic state that induce them to, to commit violent act. Here is more linked to the actual drug market, to the drug activity. So one indicator, for instance, is most of these happen with firearms. So there is normally firearms are linked, especially in the last two, criminal group, etc. So drug-related homicides tend to be something more linked to drug market. In the year 2016, one third of the homicides in the Netherlands were related to drugs. The expectation is that this ratio will only increase. The National Drug Monitor reported 20 drug-related homicides in the year 2018. Even though this number is far under the number of drug-related homicides in Mexico, where in 2018 33,341 people were killed, in 2018 Mexican drug organizations killed at least 130 candidates and politicians in relation to the presidential elections. However, we should still be aware of the occurrence of these types of homicides in the Netherlands.
uh, there is a lot of concern uh, also from uh, European uh, agencies such as Europol or AMCDDA saying that drug activity is going up and this could translate in uh, increased levels of violence. Normally that is the correlation, although we cannot tell that that is for sure the, what is going to happen, but normally tends to happen uh, this way. And so the levels of violence uh, related to drug, at least little violence, have increased lightly in the last period of time. Now, let's go back to the case of Dirk Wiersum. Recently, the news got out that the Crown witness Nabil B is not willing to testify against drug lord Ridwan Taghi anymore. Nabil B lost his trust in the Public Prosecution's Office. According to Nabil B, the Public Prosecution's Office failed to keep agreements about security measures. Nabil B has the opinion that his family and himself are secured insufficiently. The Public Prosecution's Office claims to be surprised by the decision of Nabil B. This is very concerning because it shows the amount of power and control Ridwan Taghi has over the drug violence in the Netherlands, even from prison. Therefore, this case makes an excellent example of drug violence in the Netherlands. We can now say that the Netherlands indeed satisfies these five elements, and following this definition can indeed be seen as a narco-state. However, Compared to Mexico, these elements occur in a less extreme way. Therefore, according to Teun Voeten, the Netherlands could be seen as a narco-state light. I would definitely call Holland a narco-state light. A light first. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. there is not too much bloodshed. And Mexico is a, a narco-state uh, hardcore. But do we have to be concerned? Yes. And no, I mean, yes, because it's important to be aware. It's important to be aware, it's important to build resilience and to have in place the knowledge and the policies to counter these sort of things. Uh, we are somehow protected from those things. Those things can only happen in South America or in other developing areas of the world. No. So it's important to to take it seriously, to implement uh, policies that are necessary and to build knowledge about it. Then I'm always very wary to say like people should worry because normally when people are become over obsessed with security it always backfires. For instance, you can say in some countries or in some areas, because of growing concern of criminality, people start buying weapons uh, and that prompts more insecurity and becomes sort of like so I wouldn't say don't the people shouldn't be panicking. That's what I want to say. It's not a situation of panic but it's definitely a situation of concern. Uh, Rosalie, are you concerned? Well, yes, Okje. I must admit that I'm concerned if the situation in the Netherlands doesn't change and sufficient policy changes are being made. Um, first of all, I think that the level of organized crime related to drugs increased over the years. And also, the other day, I saw a news item that a torture chamber was being found in Brabant. And... Um, There was a dentist chair placed in a container with several torture devices with it. Uh, so I thought it was very shocking. 
And also in the harbor of Rotterdam, of course, uh, there's a clear problem with infiltration of workers. And uh, the enforcing violence in the underworld, of course, also influences the safety of innocent people. Yeah, I agree with you here. Um, I think indeed that we have to acknowledge that there really, really is a problem here. However, I don't think that being concerned really is going to help because I think this will only amplify the problem and maybe it will raise new problems. And currently uh, the Dutch government is already investing more and more money to tackle the illegal drug trade. Because in the year 2018, 100 million euros was cleared to tackle this problem. And since 2019, every year, 10 million euros extra is being spent. Okay, okay, I understand your point. But yeah, I think as Arnaldo Rabadini also said, that the most important thing is that we have to retain more knowledge on this topic. And we really have to understand the seriousness of this issue and what it can turn into. As Rosalie mentioned, we have to understand the seriousness of this issue. Therefore, we asked Teun Voete what he thinks the nearby future will look like when sufficient changes are not made. If I look five, six, seven years ahead, I think we will have a tremendous underclass. We already right now have an underclass of, of, of have-nots and with a very hostile attitude towards the states and they would consume drugs as a mode of escape but, and, and they will sell drugs uh, to make a living. I'm very afraid what will happen with, with, with crystal meth and if, if crystal meth infiltrates in, in the lower strata of, of society then you have a, a huge problem then and uh, right now crystal meth has become the class the, the drug of the underclass worldwide but there is a class of have-nots what what the anthropologist uh, Terry Williams called them um, disposable people is coming into existence and this class is growing and growing and they they have a resentment against the government uh, they they need to escape and and so i think this this underclass of people resorting to drugs as an escape valve will grow to be concerned about the Netherlands becoming a narco-state? And what solution would you suggest? Thanks for listening to the podcast Netherlands, Narco Nation. Don't forget to like this podcast and share it with your friends.